lecture nine part three of christian patience by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture nine on the gifts of the holy ghost part three the spirit of fortitude includes patience as a component part of the gift and it is this gift of patience that hath a perfect work whereby we possess our souls in god much therefore that has been said in these lectures of patience belongs more to the gift than to the simple virtue the gift demands that we rise in spirit above all that is unlike to god that we account our native powers but of little worth in comparison with the gift and that we freely give up our will to the divine power and virtue to make us secure in every combat if we generously give up our will to the influence of the holy spirit it will take away all doubting diffidence fear shrinking inconstancy and changeableness wherever the will of god shall manifestly appear hope will spring up that the gift will preserve us from mortal sin and that noble part of the virtue called magnanimity will arise in a straightforward spirit will allow of no compromise will despise whatever is vicious and will make but little account of what is earthly and therefore fluctuating taking small care for these things the magnanimous soul fears no one but god looks to no one as great or mighty except god and puts no great trust in any one but god the honest soul and as no soul is honest without humility the humble soul then will ascend in union with the holy spirit above all creatures to worship god with gratitude and praise praising him in her life more than her words she will become magnanimous robust and unconquerable the more sharply provocation or temptation assails her the more vigorous she will grow combating with the conscious and invincible power of god in contemplating the greatness and majesty of god the mind will become simple free from all narrow views and feelings and in her growing insight of his goodness she will not know how to praise him enough through this praise of god the soul will feel her own insufficiency and the very consciousness of what she herself is in the presence of his unspeakable excellency will fill her spirit with joy salvation and the beginning of beatitude she may therefore say with the blessed virgin my soul doth magnify the lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in god my saviour the gift of fortitude inspires courage to undertake great things what are those great things if we limit them to what rises above the ordinary events of life the gift would be rarely needed what are the great things for which it is habitually given to understand this it will suffice to consider that man is a fallen king who has lost his royal state deny this who may it is revealed to every man in every hour of his life he finds it within him in the strife between good and evil he finds it in those sublime instincts of his heart 
that perpetually rebuke his degrading propensities we are called upon to reconquer the kingdom from which we have fallen this truth is the foundation of all religion and of all wise legislation it rests on the distinction between good and evil what brings us to god is good what takes us from god is evil our great work is to recover the lost kingdom of heaven the means of recovering this kingdom are of the same supernatural character with our final end god is the supreme object of the soul and those great means must come from god to employ them with courage and perseverance is therefore the great thing to be accomplished and for this the gift of fortitude is essential the great means to be used are the theological and moral virtues summed up in the creed and the commandments endowed with these virtues and living in them the man is restored to god becomes a king possesses and rules himself and inherits the kingdom of heaven this is the greatest and most difficult of all enterprises three frightful powers are leagued against its success and strive to cause its failure these are the world the flesh and the devil we need not speak here of the craft cruelty and hatred of the devil and his legions the flesh is the body that belongs to us a heated furnace that burns day and night with the fuel of unlawful affections with covetousness with disorderly appetites with insubordination and vanity with aversion anger hatred audacity and sadness with the love of lawless delights with fear with despondency like another eve the flesh offers us the forbidden fruit and invites the soul to take delight in evil like the wife of Potiphar, it solicits joseph to dishonour like delilah it shears away the strength of samson with his locks and delivers the man up to the devil as she gave up samson to the philistines not only does the body ensnare the soul to evil but turns her away from good there is no kind of war which the body will not wage against the soul and no kind of sacrifice that the soul may not be called upon to make to ensure her safety from the attacks of the body and that not merely in the interest of one virtue but of all the virtues what is the world but a motley and immense crowd of renegades from god or from the virtues yet this same world is not always seen even by its own members for what it is notwithstanding its foul errors false prophecies loose maxims pretentious manners covert vices and seductive charms and yet like the three children in the babylonian furnace we must live in the midst of this unruly conflagration without being scorched by its flames to conquer the world the flesh and the devil is the most arduous of all undertakings and far exceeds our strength without the presence light and power of the holy ghost this is the first part of our task the second is to suffer to suffer well requires much greater fortitude than to act well 
to act against evil and to face the danger of evil comes first in point of time but to suffer and endure is more essential for accumulating internal strength this last is also more difficult more noble and more perfect st antoninus following st thomas puts the argument in this shape it is more difficult to combat with the strong than with the weak but the attack takes the position of the strong and the defence the position of the weak he who attacks another sees nothing but a mere possible and distant danger to himself but he who receives the attack must endure an evil that is actually present and which must be endured at the present time an attack is made in an instant but those who have to bear the attack must suffer for an indefinite and uncertain length of time it therefore requires much greater fortitude and constancy of will to be firm and patient under the danger the attack the pain and suffering of present evil than to enter actively upon a difficult work hence it is well known that the most valiant soldiers are not those who are alert in attack but those who are patient and strong to endure assaults what has man to suffer it should rather be asked what things has he not to suffer pains and distress of body pains and griefs of soul pains and sorrows of conscience and the dread which they inspire conflicts without fears within maladies to which every part of his mortal frame is exposed poverty contradiction injury injustice the attacks of the world the flesh and the devil these are our attendants from the cradle to the grave often is the devout christian predestined to exceptional sufferings especially of the interior kind that the spirit may be made strong for eternity then again his virtues irritate the devil and the world and at their hands he receives providential sufferings for his purification and perfection in virtue but what is man who is he that he should undertake to scale heaven and to do this mighty feat in the face of all these enemies his nature his very name is weakness measure the grandeur of his undertaking by the weakness of his nature and the difference between them represents the divine force of which he stands in constant need this feeble man this feebler woman must become a strong living force through the holy spirit dwelling within them thanks to the divine gift of fortitude the world for nearly nineteen hundred years has witnessed wonders almost incredible it has seen millions of souls poor and rich ignorant and learned young and aged men women and even children in all climes of all races courageous and constant to one grand and holy purpose strong and vigorous in conquering temptations brave and magnanimous in enduring pain adversity and sorrow for the sake of the kingdom of heaven the world has seen the peaceful patience and heroic constancy of the christian martyrs the world has seen the gentle fortitude 
so gentle in its strength of the confessors of christ and their joy amidst countless sufferings the world has witnessed the patient toils and privations of the missionaries of truth and of the daughters of charity but quickly does the world forget what its children should most take to heart yet all this the world has seen and what has it heard it heard st paul throwing defiance to the enemies of the soul in the name of all the children of the cross i fear not i can do all things in him that strengtheneth me who shall separate us from the love of christ the world has heard st francis taking poverty for his spouse and greeting patience as her sister it has heard st teresa taking for the heroic maxim of her life to suffer or to die it has heard the yet more heroic maxim of st mary magdalene de Pazzi, to suffer not to die it has heard st john of the cross uniting these two maxims into one to suffer and be despised for god's sake how many like notes breathed from the gift of fortitude and praising the blessed good of sufferings have resounded from the hearts and lives of the saints since the day when the holy ghost came in fire upon the heads of the apostles the first branch on the right hand of the golden candlestick is the gift of knowledge in this gift the holy spirit moves the mind and the will to form just and sure judgments in what belongs to faith and to distinguish what is from what is not of faith independently of all reasoning from secondary or created causes by this gift we also know what to do and what to leave undone according to the law of justice this is the science of the saints of which the book of wisdom says the lord hath led the just man through right ways and showed him the kingdom of god and hath given him the knowledge of holy things wisdom chapter ten verse ten st thomas thus explains the gift the divine knowledge is not from reasoning it is absolute and simple and the gift of knowledge from the holy ghost is like to this it is a certain partaken resemblance of the divine knowledge distinct from the virtue of faith it perfects that virtue with greater light and knowledge in the first place the gift of knowledge gives us light to distinguish what is true from what is false what is of god from what is of the creature what is solid from what is vain and imaginary and what is truly great from what only appears to be great although not so in reality for example it enables us to see the perfect harmony that exists between humiliation poverty and suffering and the real wants of the fallen man and thus we learn to accept them as the sick man takes his medicines to save him from death and restore him to health it is a holy commerce in which we exchange what is temporary and trivial for a wealth that is imperishable st paul understood this commerce well the things he says that were gained to me i have accounted loss for christ furthermore 
i count all things to be loss for the excellent knowledge of jesus christ my lord for whom i have suffered the loss of all things and count them all but filth that i may gain jesus christ philippians chapter three verses seven and eight secondly the divine gift of knowledge acts upon the will and brings judgment and action into harmony with the truth in the mind thirdly this knowledge radiates the light of truth upon the sciences shows their true place and gives them their due order whilst it confirms ennobles and fertilizes them the gift of counsel is the second luminous lamp on the right of the golden candlestick we can never run well or wisely unless we know at what object and end we are aiming and by what course the prize may best be obtained st antoninus defines the gift of counsel to be that gift of the holy ghost which directs us in all things that are ordained to bring us to our final end in god whether needful to our salvation or not but in the searchings of counsel man needs to be directed by god to whom all things are known this is the gift of counsel and st thomas observes that the gift of counsel responds to the virtue of prudence which it keeps and perfects prudence results from the good use of counsel in what regards the conduct of life and the management of affairs but human prudence often fails whilst divine prudence never fails those souls who act by its inspiration at first there may be doubts and hesitations but this is only the sifting and clearing off of what is human fanciful or erroneous in our deliberations of which the light of counsel makes us conscious whilst with the help of patience and humility the counsel of the holy spirit will shine out clear in the end and that in a way that cannot be mistaken because it puts the mind at peace there is also given a grace to the will to carry out in action what has been resolved upon by counsel but we should much mistake the gift of counsel in supposing that its light is always given to the individual whom it concerns directly the holy spirit provides for the fundamental and essential virtue of humility without which the plenitude of the gift cannot be received he therefore often conceals from one what he makes known to another and guides the one to seek light from the other that the humility of the act may open the mind to receive the light of counsel again it is written that where there is much counsel there is safety proverbs chapter eleven verse fourteen counsel collects into one what the divine wisdom distributes to several giving light to one and the desire of light to another who obtains it by consultation hence holy tobias admonishes his son seek counsel always of a wise man tobias chapter four verse nineteen and we are taught by the holy spirit be at peace with all men but let one in a thousand be thy counsellor ecclesiasticus chapter six verse six st bernard points to a double leprosy that eats into the soundness of counsel self-will and self-interest 
both of which listen more to the perversity of nature and to the guidance of god the third lamp on the right is the gift of understanding this gift is a supernatural light that descends through the mind into our spiritual nature and lifts up our spiritual sense to penetrate that truth which is given to the receptive mind or memory enabling us to comprehend it and make it our own and so to bring it into use and application in the practical intelligence it is of little avail to have truth in the mind unless it be received into the understanding but by bringing the understanding through the act of the will into commerce with the light of truth in the mind that is by attention by consideration by reflection and by meditation we bring the truth presented to the mind into our spiritual nature and thus make it our own but the knowledge that god offers to us can never really become our own until by the searching which the holy spirit moves us to make that truth descends into our spiritual sense and takes possession of the powers of the will that what we see with our understanding we may feel in our inmost life giving our active consent to the light in us that accords with the light in god then as st augustine observes understanding of truth cleans the heart of carnal affection that pure intention may direct us towards our final end by the gift of understanding the holy spirit purifies the eye of the soul and leads us into ourselves where we begin to understand what we are and what god is and whilst we subject our understanding to god his truth makes us children of the light moving upwards through that light we rise above our senses above our imagination above the instincts of our nature and enter with intelligence into the presence of god there we receive the gift more abundantly in proportion as we die to ourselves and from the gift there grows a singular virtue having its origin in god and its life in the will a virtue that makes us watchful of good and conservative of the light of life this vivid and luminous appetite for good looks to god with great contentment thanks him and feels after him through his manifold gifts in this sense of god the mortification of nature is constantly renewed the spirit grows in the grace of the holy ghost and the divine light is preserved in the soul the soul delights in god and the interior man is renewed day by day the seventh lamp upon the golden stem crowns the other six with the sovereign gift of wisdom who can declare the splendor of this gift implanted in the human heart it illuminates divine and eternal things and gives us the sense of eternal good human wisdom consists in the knowledge of things in their causes and especially in their supreme cause but the gift of divine wisdom is a certain created participation of the holy spirit as he is the eternal wisdom that eternal wisdom is the infinite light of the infinite love of the father and the son in the person of the holy ghost 
in the words of st bonaventure the wisdom that descends to us from above is the splendour of truth in the delightful sense of good having god for its chief object as he is the true good that attracts our will to him it draws us to love god and to delight in him wherefore concludes the great doctor and saint the gift of wisdom is a supernatural habit infused into the soul by the holy spirit enabling us to know to love and to delight in god this gift is given in its abundance to the pure of heart and is chiefly cultivated in contemplation for contemplation brings the soul nigh to god where she receives the impress of his likeness in much simplicity and where ascending above the creature the soul absorbs the sense of god but the sense of god is wisdom we begin with the gift of fear says st augustine and passing step by step through the intermediate gifts we reach their consummation at last in the gift of wisdom this is the final gift because it tranquillizes the soul and makes her peaceful fruitful and joyful the holy spirit observes st anselm accumulates this gift upon his other gifts when he breathes wisdom into the soul enabling what is correctly known by the gift of understanding to be sweetly relished in the gift of wisdom in virtue of which we pursue what is excellent from pure love dwelling in this house of the soul with his gifts the holy spirit rules the whole family of the soul's interior senses and so disposes them in his service that they ascend to god and without departing from god they descend to the service of our neighbour that soul is therefore able to say with the psalmist the lord ruleth me and i shall want for nothing he hath set me in a place of pasture psalm twenty two verses one and two this wisdom is the unction from the holy one that teacheth all things the light that illuminates all darkness the lambent fire that played on the heads of the apostles the wise man had experience of this light this unction this ardent fire when he wrote this praise of wisdom i wished and understanding was given to me and i called upon god and the spirit of wisdom came to me and i preferred her to kingdoms and thrones and esteemed riches as nothing in comparison of her i loved her above health and beauty and chose to have her instead of light for her light cannot be put out she is an infinite treasure to men which they that use become the friends of god being commended for the gift of discipline for in her is the spirit of understanding holy one manifold subtle eloquent active undefiled sure sweet loving that which is good quick which nothing hindereth beneficent gentle kind steadfast assured secure having all power overseeing all things and reacheth everywhere by reason of her purity her have i loved and have sought her from my youth and have desired to take her for my spouse 
and i became a lover of her beauty give me wisdom that sitteth by thy throne and cast me not off from among thy children send her out of thy holy heaven and from the throne of thy majesty that she may be with me and may labor with me that i may know what is acceptable to thee wisdom chapter seven through nine end of lecture nine part three